It's Food Friday on 630 Chat. This morning with Stacey Bratzel and Daryl McIntyre. Mm, yummy. Yes, and we're talking charcuterie boards, and it's beginning to smell like a meat segment in here. <laughs> are, are we talking the charcuterie boards or the charcuterie which is upon the board? I'm trying to figure out the terminology. How does this work? Uh, I don't like, know. Which is you know. ask ask Peter. Okay, well we Peter do. Peter Keith yeah. is here. He is the co-owner of Muley's Artisan Food Market on 124th Street and 107th Avenue. Thank you so much for joining us. Good to have you. Good morning. It's great to be here. So is this a charcuterie board or is this charcuterie on a board? Okay, so we can get technical right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, want to yeah. get technical, let's do Apparently it. Apparently we're getting down that So charcuterie, I mean, I learned every French cooking term when I went to Nate. You know, I memorized pages of them. Charcuterie refers to the process of preserving the meats. So then this is a charcuterie board. You know, it has to be served on a piece of wood. That's the law. I don't know why, but <laughs> we put long. it on some wood and now it's a board and, and uh, we're calling it breakfast. There you go. Yeah, it is breakfast for us today. Well, today we are. Uh, it's, it's a a lot about the aesthetics, isn't it? And how yeah. it looks. Yeah, you know, I think um, we're in the age of Instagram or, mm -hmm. or TikTok, uh, maybe even TikTok age. And, you know, we eat with our eyes first. Presentation is mm -hmm. really important. But charcuterie is a very fun and playful style of eating. And so I think it just adds to the joy of creating something really beautiful to share with your friends. Well, why don't we start with the basics that create that, you know, the base uh, that goes, and that would usually be the meats and the cheese. There are so many different types of meats and cheese that I do am not familiar with. And I know when I run into something that I can't stand. It's usually got way too much fat in it. How do you know what to choose? And especially if you're having guests over, you don't know their tastes. Well, I think you I think you hit the nail right on the head. Start with what you love and avoid what you don't love. And ask your guests, ask your friends and, and family, what's one of your favorite charcuterie meats? And I'll go pick that up just for you. When you put together a board, um, just like putting together a meal, if there's something for everyone, then it's a really special experience. And don't feel like you have to know all of the different meats and cheeses. Don't feel like you have to be able to pronounce them. That's why pointing was invented, right? Um, a, a good deli, a good meat counter will be able to help you choose things that will pair well together, that will kind of cover all the different flavor profiles. It's nice to have variety, but you don't need to memorize a list of things, right? Uh, we're here to help. Can you tell us what's on this board that you brought in uh, to the studio? Sure. Well, first of all, I'm looking in the corner right, right by me. We have some garlic sausage ring because we are in Alberta after all. So mm -hmm. we always start with that. A really nice smoky, garlicky sausage. We have some of our salami cotto, which in Italian means cooked salami. Huh. And, and they're almost folded up almost into flowers almost. Yeah, and yeah. You, and you know what? All, really fancy. all the credit to my head chef, Miles Fadun at Muley's, who's uh, truly an artist, just put together something beautiful here. So presentation is really important. We like to have fun with it, but we also want to be able to fit quite a bit of content onto yeah. this small uh, bamboo board. So this one feeds two to three people. We'll post a photo online so you can see it. So we have about five different meats. You know, we try to have one spicy, one that's a little more mm -hmm. salty. You know, if you're going to go for a really strong flavor like garlic, keep that to one item so that people who hate garlic can still find mm -hmm. some things for themselves. Then we have three or four cheeses. So we, at Mealy's, we're really big on local. So we've got a brie from Lakeside Dairy, one of our favorite cheese companies. But then we also have a nice uh, sheep's milk manchego from Spain, which is a little sharp. We have an aged Gouda from uh, Sylvan Star, which of course is a, is a good Dutch-Canadian uh, cheese company. 
And then um, we also have a, a kind of crumbly aged cheddar off on the side, which is really beautiful and sharp. So lots of variety. Different textures. Textures are important too, right? So we would pair this with maybe some some softer bread and some really nice sturdy crackers. And then there's, you know, you'll get some pickles, you'll get some olives. So you want every bite to bring you something a little bit different, a little bit of different flavor, different color, different texture. And that's what makes it such a fun, experiential way to eat. Are there rules uh, that certain things can't go with certain things on a charcuterie board or certain things have to go with certain things? Yeah, because you've got fruit here, you've got olives here, you've got tomatoes, you've got like the whole kitchen sink Yeah, yeah, I love the question. I think uh, my favorite rule when I'm teaching people how to cook is anyone who tells you that there's a rule is not invited to the next dinner party. <laughs> yeah. So charcuterie nice. is, about, is about joy, it's about sharing. Um, the things that don't belong on there are maybe just things that you don't personally enjoy. Um, be, be conscious that this might sit on the table for an hour as you're yeah. eating. So, mm-hmm. you know, something that might really start to smell after a while or start to dry out a lot, you might want to avoid that. But, you know, um, fruit and meat and cheese and pickles and all of these things all pair beautifully together. So but you're pretty safe. At the same time, as you said, you don't want to have something that's too much garlic. Maybe not every, something. So if there's a rule, maybe don't put all of the same thing on there and call it a charcuterie board because yeah. now you're just putting out, putting out sausage and then, cheese. Then we're calling it uh, Pete's dinner at two in the morning after <laughs> work where I'm just eating cheese straight out of the fridge. That's, <laughs> That's we can fair. call that a charcuterie board for sure. But yeah, variety really makes this um, special. So we encourage that for sure. How expensive is it to do this? Uh, you know, so this 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 board, and you said it's a charcuterie board for two, please. <laughs> well, I could get through it, but you know, for most people, it's for more than two. Maybe three or four, yeah. I mean, we charge about 15 to $20 a person, um, and we give you some choices okay. if you want us to build a board for you. The big thing that I like to share with people is go for quality over quantity. When you savor a really delicious, good quality piece of cheese, you don't need as much of it, yeah. right? Your body is almost telling you, like, okay, this is this is the good stuff. You know, eat slowly, chew it, chew it more, and really enjoy it. And I think that's very true for charcuterie as a whole. So, if you're on a, a bit of a tighter budget, try to go for some really good quality pieces of meat. You know, some of these nice local ingredients that are are made with good, fresh, uh, raw ingredients as a starting point and you don't need a whole lot of it. it. It can get quite expensive. You know, if you go for imported Iberico ham from Spain uh, that's been aged for two to three years, that, that will be quite expensive. But there are typically some good quality local options that uh, everyone can have a few pieces of mm. and not break the bank. What about condiments? I see you have some, some a mustard and then it looks like a, a jam on there. Uh, can you tell us what condiments might go on a board and then how to eat a condiment when you're sitting there surrounded, <laughs> yeah, surrounding no the charcuterie double dipping. board. No double dipping. Of course, um, you know, if you've seen the inside of my fridge, you know I'm a big condiment guy. Um, true, you know, a charcuterie board often looks like a bachelor's fridge, so uh, <laughs> multiple types of mustard, multiple types of sauces. Um, this is a hot Dijon. It's a, a smooth Dijon mustard, so that will be nice with some of the meats. We also do a lot of grainy mustards at mm-hmm. Muley, so mm-hmm. that has a nice crunch, right? We almost call it like a prairie caviar. It's got a nice crunch to it. And then with jams, um, fruit fruit sauces, fruit preserves are nice, but you don't want them to be too sweet. So I always joke when I teach charcuterie classes, I say, you know, why are the jams always so pretentious, like strawberry chipotle jam or whatever? But that savory element, whether that's heat or, you know, caramelized onion or whatever's added to it, that helps balance it out, helps almost bridge the gap between the jam and the salty, savory meat or cheese that you might be pairing it with. So... Two to three types of condiments is always nice. Again, go for a variety of flavor, but pick things that you love. 
How and then you have to, sorry, Morley, you have to have a knife, though, right? You know, we're there are no rules, Stacey. This was my first rule. There are no rules. If you just want to dip, dip a piece of garlic ring in the mustard, I will not judge. Okay, I, I'll just do that right now. Go for it. How important, right in front of me. how important are the crackers? I mean, I, I remember going to a place once, mm. uh, somebody's house, and it was a great-looking charcuterie board. The crackers were stale. And that's oh, what that's what yeah. you end up talking about when because everybody's got crackers in their cupboard that've been there for six months, right? And yeah, totally. Uh, this this might be the time again not to just plug the small local boutique, but go buy a smaller box so that they are fresh. You know the the bulk size pack. Um, it's hard to get through that in time. I think it's nice to have something starchy on there for people who don't like cheese just on its own, right? Especially if you have a brie or a, a spreadable goat cheese or something like that. Mm -hmm. Something to spread that on and eat it with. Um, kind of a, a vessel for the cheese and the condiment is nice to have. Again, pick your favorites. Um, if you want my tips, I would say go for something really sturdy that's not going to break or crumble when you're mm -hmm. trying to spread cheese on it. But beyond that, uh, there's there's really no rules. So well, if you get thing. a really spicy kind of cracker, or if you have something that has a, a whole ton of flavor, then isn't it fighting the flavors that are on the board? It can, yeah. And, and that doesn't have to be a bad thing. I mean, crackers and breads can be really delicious, but then you want to maybe consciously pair a more mild cheese with it so that that bread is the star of the show, right? And and that can work too. Um, you see a lot of fruit and nut crackers with charcuterie. Yeah. This is one thing I just caution people, you know, if you know someone's coming for dinner who has an allergy, we often remember, okay, I better not put nuts on the board, mm -hmm. but watch, check your ingredients those, on the those, crackers. A lot yeah. of charcuterie yeah. crackers will have some nuts or seeds in them. So just be cautious about that. If everyone's able to eat them, they are delicious and, um, and help just kind of elevate the cheese. All right, you can stick around for a little bit. We want to, uh, we have to take a break, but we also want to get into what about vegetarians? Got to address them. And I also, you know, we had a discussion a little bit earlier today about 45 minutes ago about local businesses and you are all about local. And I, I want to know what's going on with you and, and, and how you keep your doors open because earlier we, just, we heard a story of a woman who couldn't keep hers open. So we'll have that discussion in two minutes. With Stacy Bratzel and Daryl McIntyre on 6:30, Chad is brought to you by Abe's Door Service, where service is their specialty. Visit abesdoor.ca. And it's 8:19 on your Friday morning. Not just any Friday; it's a food Friday. So we're talking charcuterie with uh, Peter Keith, the co-owner of Muley's Artisan Food Market, joining us in studio. Brought us a uh, charcuterie for two that four of us will easily <laughs> have to work Easy. on to get through it. Uh, Peter, just before we get into the business thing, you mentioned you you, you do charcuterie classes. What are you teaching? Is it is it? Are you learning more about the the meats that are on there and the cheese? And who are you? Teaching. And who are you teaching? <laughs> I mean, the main reason. I oh, call hang it, on. Oh, there we go. The main reason I call it a class. There, there we no, go. We're on. We're on. The main reason I call it a class is because, you know, when you want to convince people to come eat a bunch of meat and cheese and drink wine on a Monday <laughs> night, uh, it's it's good if it feels educational, right? So <laughs> we do a lot of, of kind of fun workshops on building a board. My mm -hmm. main thing is I like to make this feel more approachable. I want to strip away all the pretentiousness of these, you know, elegant European meats and cheeses and make the average Albertan feel comfortable walking into a store and ordering their favorite things and putting them on a, a board. Those so, elegant meats and cheeses from Europe are just common meats and cheeses in Europe. It's are very they true. Not? I mean, this is this is peasant food. Like this is sort of preserving the village milk and the village pork to last through the season. And I think that's something that makes it so beautiful as as kind of an art form now, just to see how much it's been elevated. 
What about vegetarians? Well, if you eat cheese, I think you're in luck because you can pretty much have the same experience, right? Um, our our food culture in Edmonton is, is at an all-time high. There's so much incredible cheese available. There are also a lot of um, vegan meat substitutes out there. We don't get into that too much at Muley's, but we do a lot of cheese boards for people. So that's when we would focus even more on the condiments, having lots of beautiful fresh fruit, some fresh veggies. You know, we're really proud of our pickles and, and things mm. like that at Muley's. It's very chef-inspired, so lots of unique flavors. So you can have the same experience without the meat, absolutely. Maybe you do that, and you go into the olives, and you have some carrots that's on there. You have some different fruits. If, if, you, if you do still eat cheese, because some... People are lactose intolerant, yeah, too. Yeah, some right? don't. So you just find some other ways to get around it. Absolutely. I, but I always think, you know, if I'm going into a butcher shop, I'm not asking for vegan options. No, Usually. probably not. Probably not. And, and, you know, I recognize like we, we are a predominantly meat business and I recognize that in 15 or 20 years, we'll probably be selling less meat. But again, we'll be focused on that quality over the quantity. quantity. Or and more insects. Uh, possibly. Yeah. You know what? There was a great local brand that made uh, cricket flour biscotti for several mm-hmm. years yeah, and yeah. it was we sold a ton of that at Muley's. All right, how, is business, kind of how is business these days? As, as Stacey mentioned, we had that, that conversation. Is it as tough out there as we hear? I guess it depends on the business, depends on the model. I think it depends on the industry, but certainly what we're feeling in the, the kind of independent food and beverage sector, it's very tough. Um, the pandemic hit us hard. And it just never really went away. You know, those $40,000 SIVA loans are coming due at the end of December. And I've heard from several small business owners who are kind of debating whether they keep going. Is it worth it to scrape together the money to pay that back and then start January, the slowest time of the year, with $0 in the bank? So it has been tough. I mean, there's inflationary pressure. There's labor force pressures. and, And... this is maybe society-wide change that's happening in a lot of levels. Young people want to be paid more for their work, and they're maybe less willing to put up with some of the difficult or sometimes even unfair working conditions in our industry. And some of that is important change that's happening, but it hits hard for small businesses that have always been trying to do the right thing and are now facing these kind of strong headwinds coming from a lot of different uh um, sectors, a lot of different forces, right? So it's tough, but we are optimistic. We're a resilient bunch of people. Is that when you have to start to get creative? Yeah, I think that the crea- creativity never stops, but you're sort of reminded of it once in a while that, okay, I need to double down on this energy. So uh, doing more with less, you know, um, the same types of ways that people try to navigate this at home with their home budget, with their grocery shopping, restaurants and businesses like Muley's have to do the same. Um, we have to maybe look for different ingredients that that haven't inflated as much and find mm-hmm. a way to add value to them, put our creativity and, and our cooking skill into that and be able to make something delicious that can be sold for a little bit more money. Uh, collaboration is huge right now. Small businesses working together, that is how we get through this. Yeah. Uh, you have a Muley's on 124th. I didn't know you had one at Westmount. Um, Oh, that, that's our Westmount location. We're sort of right on the edge. So I oh, know that's I, what you call the Westmount yeah, location. Yeah, call I was thinking the mall. Yeah. And I'm going, <laughs> what? There's one in the no, mall? No, the neighborhood. The yeah, neighborhood. the neighborhood. Okay, um, really close to the mall. And, and the neighborhood has been so good to us, I have to say. Uh, our store just celebrated five years. We are so fortunate to call that area home. We absolutely love it and uh, looking forward to another five. And you support a lot of other local businesses. We do. It's really important to me. I think that's that's how a food community grows and, and matures. And, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. So we, we always want to give back. We always want to showcase the amazing producers. I personally got into this business out of passion for, for local food and wanting to help tell the story of all the people bringing this to our plates. Thanks, Passion's Peter. great. Profit's good, too. So all the best. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> 
Have a, have a great Christmas season. And thanks so much for bringing this in and chatting with us about it. Thank you all for having awesome. me. All right, Peter Keith, the co-owner of Muley's on 124th Street. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.